Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. I don't know about you, but my allergies are really bothering me today. It was really rough. Watery eyes is something that I've been really struggling with, man. Good morning to those watching online, and it's so good to see everybody here on site. Isn't it good to be back in the house of God today? Man, real, really quick, I got a question. How many of you are morning people? Raise your hand. You're ready to go at 5.30 in the morning. Can I be honest? You guys are a little annoying, right? It, it takes most people a couple cups of coffee and a couple hours to get going. How many of you guys would describe yourself as not a morning person? Raise your hand. You're not a majority of people, not a morning person. For those of you that are not a morning person, this is public enemy number one, right? The alarm clock and the sound that it brings in the morning. Yes. That is an annoying sound. It pulls at your subconscious. Even now, it's like fingernails going down the chalkboard. So what do you do when you hear that sound? You hit the snooze button because you get 10 more minutes of heavenly bliss. So it goes off again, and what do you do? You hit it again. You know that most studies show that most people hit the snooze button three times. That's 30 extra minutes of sleep. But let me tell you, if you hit it more than three times, you have problems. If you hit it four, five, six, seven times, you're what I like to call a snooze abuser. How many snooze abusers are you married to this morning? Call them out right now. You have somebody that hits it over. I'll raise my hand right there. We have a snooze abuser on the front row. And for example, if you're a snooze abuser, they have products to help you. Here's one of them. It's an alarm clock with wheels. So check this out. So when you hit the snooze button, the wheels make the clock run off the nightstand and it doesn't, and it just goes somewhere on your room and it, 10 minutes again it goes up so it forces you to get out of bed. But the most ridiculous alarm clock I could find was this, this baby right here, this puppy. It is the LCD alarm clock. It goes off and what do you do? You hit it and you go and it, and it goes off right there. So I'm going to pick this back up because if you don't put it back on, it'll go back again and, and it forces you to be out of. So you have to literally get out of your bed, go find that, put that back in. And if you cannot find that place, because it's going to be hard to find, you literally got to break the alarm clock. So, so this morning, I, I want to preach to you a message called Wake Up. It's a rather serious message. And, and here is the thing I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to hit, quit hitting the spiritual snooze button in your life. I believe this is a, a prophetic message. This message God has built, been laying in my heart for, for several, for the last month. I wanted to preach it live, not online. This morning, I couldn't wake up. At 4 o'clock, I, I was up. I had another pastor friend of mine say, Benito, this morning at 4 o'clock, I was praying for you. I don't know why. I had another friend of mine who the Lord uses sometimes and speaking prophetically to me, and he said, Benito, and he said, prophesy this morning. Speak the word of God. So two confirmations just this morning that this is what God has for us. I believe God wants to speak to us. How many of you guys guys want God to speak to you this morning? Whether you're watching online or on site, let's pray. I want you to say this, God, speak to me. 
Open my ears to hear and my heart to receive. Do what you want in my heart this morning. Amen. See, I believe with everything going on in our culture today that the church is drifting into a spiritual sleep. According to Barna, 35% of people who used to attend church pre-COVID aren't attending church online or on-site anywhere. And 50% of millennials ages 26 to 40 have stopped attending church entirely. We're at a crucial time. We are out of the habit of getting up and going to church. We are out of the habit of doing our devotions because our schedules are all over the place. We are out of the habit of serving God with our gifts and exercising faith. And the devil is trying to sing a lullaby over the church. And the lullaby kind of goes like this. Rock of my believer on the treetop. Snoozing will cause your growth to stop. Ignore the alarm clock and stay in bed. You'll never reach your full potential, you sleepy head. Shh, shh. Keep them asleep. Let them, let them talk. And, and as we continue our series, Untold Stories of the Bible, the story we're looking at this morning is a rather bizarre story. It's a story of a man named Eutychus falling asleep in church. Man, you know, a lot of people in the Bible are known for a lot of things. Daniel, man, was able to conquer a lion's den. David was able to take down a giant. How would you like to be Eutychus and throughout all eternity? Oh, you're the dude that fell asleep in church. That's probably not what you want to be on your biography. But let me read you his story, Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people because he intended to leave the next day. And he kept talking until midnight there were many lamps in the upstairs i want you to circle that underline highlight that's very significant the writer trying to tell us something there where they were meeting and seated in the window was a young man named eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as paul talked on and on and this story has encouraged me for years because if people fell asleep when the great, powerful Apostle Paul was preaching, they'll fall asleep when I'm preaching. And having preached for over 25 years, this is what I've learned. I've seen many people not often fall asleep in church. And what I like to do is I like to really talk rhythmically, really softly, and go, yes, just to freak them up. And I like to see these different ideas. So sometimes I'm feeling the spirit, and sometimes I'm just entertaining myself when I'm yelling. And I have found over the years, there are four types of sleepers in church. First, there's the Hollywood sleeper. Have you seen him? These are the people who are falling asleep, and they're trying to stay awake, but they can't. And then they're startled awake, and they try to act like the whole time they weren't sleeping. They're asleep, and they're like, oh, amen, brother, good word, preach it. And you know they were sleeping. Why act? Just admit that you're sleeping. And then there is what I like to call the devotional sleeper. These are people who take religious postures so no one can tell that they're sleeping. For example, have you ever heard of the Bible reading sleeper? This is what he does. The whole time when you're preaching, he's just looking at the Bible. Like he's studying it. But you know he's not looking at the Bible because his bottom lip comes up. When that bottom lip drops, homeboy is sleeping. Some of you guys, I, some of y'all, I'm calling you out on that one, right? You're like, man, you think you're digging into the word. No. 
Then, then, there, then there's the praying sleeper. Then we'll make the altar call. God's moving, and they'll come to the front, and they'll stay longer than everybody else. But at the end of it, you got to shake them. Oh, I'm just praying. Pray. But my favorite sleeper of all is what I like to call the fly catcher sleeper. He sleeps with his mouth just wide open. You seen that sleeper? Just catching them. I'm like, man, sometimes I just feel like throwing my gum in their mouth, but I would never do that. I'm just saying that's, these are thoughts that I have, thoughts that I have. Obviously, with COVID, we'll never do that right now. And then there is what I like to call the whiplash preacher. Have you ever seen the whiplash preacher? Which that sleeper, I mean, he's like this. You, want, you really got to see the side of you because they're right there, and they're, they're just like, and they're freaking out. Man, some of you guys are those whiplash sleepers. And in our story, the great apostle Paul comes to Troas to preach. And it's the last time that he's going to speak to this group of believers. And when Paul came to an area, let me tell you, every time you read the book of Acts, something happens. Either revival takes place or a riot takes place. Sometimes all those things. But great crowds followed Paul. Paul had healed the sick. He'd planted churches. He'd exercised demons. He'd been thrown in prison. And he was a powerful man of God. And in the text, the Bible says that a great crowd gathers, and this is significant, where does it gather? In the upper room. That's a place of spiritual intimacy with the Lord. I want to point out to you, in, when the Holy Spirit came, Jesus, man, Jesus told his disciples, go to the upper room and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus is administrated and he gave the final supper and he had the last supper, where did he have it? In the upper room. So that means it's a place of potent spiritual power where God wants to move. And notice verse 8, there were many lamps lit. The writer puts that intentionally, and that's very significant to the story because lit lamps were a sign of being prepared. Jesus tells a story of ten virgins. Five had their lamps lit, and five did not. And it means that you were prepared. You were ready for the work of God. These people knew that Paul was going to be there, and they were ready even to have service into the night. And as Paul preached with the lamps that were lit, okay, I want you to just picture yourself there. You could see the scars in his face and in his body from being beaten for the gospel. You could see the expressions and the passion in his face. You could see as he told the stories how God was moving him. It must have been a captivating moment. But in the gathering, there's a man by the name of Eutychus. His name literally means fortunate, and we'll find out why in this text. And I want you to notice where Eutychus is positioned in the story. Where is he? Is he in the front? Is he excited? Is he learning? No. He is in the back, and he's sitting in the window cell, window seal. And the very position that where he's at shows us the conflict going on in his heart and soul. He wanted to hear what the word of God was being preached, yet he wanted to be close enough to look outside and see what was going on in the world. And here's what I want you to know. Many believers find themselves exactly like Eutychus. They have too much of God to truly enjoy the world, but too much of the world to truly enjoy God. So they're at the window seal of their faith. They're not in the front row learning from Paul. They're a little distracted. And we see this divided soul with Eutychus. And what happens is Paul keeps preaching on and on. He's like the Energizer Bunny. He does not stop. And next time you think my message is going too long, I'm going to point you to this text. Over and over he preached. And Eutychus is in this long service. It's in the heat. Lamps lit all around him. It's packed with body heat. It's humid. Once in a while, a breeze would come in through there. So what's happening to Eutychus? 
he begins to get really sleepy. And he probably was a whiplash sleeper. Freaked out. Now, look at the verse, verse 9. This is in the Bible. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. This is crazy. He falls three stories, hits the ground. Eutychus! Eutychus too, if you would have fallen three stories and died, right? It's crazy. And what happens is this. It's, everybody thinks he's dead. Paul stops his message in mid-message. He runs down three flights of stairs, and look what happens in verse 10. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him, says, don't be alarmed. He's alive. Brought him back to life, and then they both went upstairs. Like, what? I want you to notice what's so important in this story. Paul takes him back to church immediately. In the ancient Jewish culture, if you fell asleep in the synagogue, you would be kicked out for 30 days. And this is the ultimate object lesson of the gospel being better than law, the law. Eutychus is not judged. He's not shunned away. He's not told to go home. But he is joyfully welcomed back into the house of God. How awesome is that? And I bet nobody fell asleep again in that service. And what's crazy is this. After Paul preached at midnight, the Bible says he preached at the mid-hour. He preached all the way to the next morning into daylight. How many of you guys would like to be in a service like that? And here's the thing about sleep. Something that, something that just comes upon you. And we look at this story and we ask, like, what does it mean to us? That's what a rather bizarre story. Here's what the writer Luke wants to tell us who wrote this book. It's a warning. It's a warning not to fall asleep in crucial times in the church. And the thing about sleep is when we're asleep, we don't realize we're asleep. You don't realize you're sleeping until you wake up. For example, how many snorers do you have in the house? Honestly, raise your hand, man. You don't know you're snoring until somebody has told you you're snoring. I'm like, you were snoring. I didn't know. You're asleep and you don't even know that. And, and I'm not saying that we're asleep physically, physically. Many of us are asleep spiritually. And today, the message today is a wake-up call, that it's time to wake up. It's 514, like as in Ephesians 514, where Paul wrote, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And this morning, I want to challenge you to do three things that will have massive impact for your life, for the lives of those around you, and I believe for our city and our nation. I want to challenge you to wake up. I want to challenge you to watch out, and I want to challenge you to walk in. First thing, let's talk about waking up. Sleep in ancient times was communicated in a negative connotation. We see this throughout Scripture and throughout ancient writings. For example, the Greek god Hypnos, or sleep, overpowers unsuspecting gods and humans with physical sleep. And together with his twin brother Thanatos, or death, they take them to the underworld. That's what Greek mythology says. So ancient authors routinely depicted irresponsible human behavior metaphorically as sleep. So did Jesus. For example, Jesus tells the parable of the ten bridesmaids in Matthew 25, 1 through 13. I alluded to earlier that five bridesmaids brought additional oil for their lamps. However, five foolish fell asleep and ran out of oil. And Luke, in this story, he lets us know that the lights were lit, yet somebody was asleep. And Bible scholar, Dr. Andrew 
Arterberry, a Bible professor at the University of Baylor, says this. We see this contrast in Luke's writings of wide-awake vigilance and sleepy negligence. And I want to challenge you to not leave, live in sleepy negligence, to live your life with a wide-awake vigilance for the Lord. See, the Gospel of Luke, along with Acts, was written as companion text to Theophilus. They were written to be read together. And as we read Luke, it gives us more insight to what, what, Paul, what uh, Luke is trying to tell us in Acts 20 here. So as you read the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke opens up with the shepherds in the middle of the night while everybody's asleep. They encounter the angels and they hear the messianic uh, announcement. And Luke is the only gospel writer who tells us the story of Anna and Simeon and how they remain awake and alert for the work of the Lord when everybody was asleep. And during the night hours when an entire nation was asleep, they're the only ones that get to see the Messiah in the temple. So Luke is telling this, and Luke also is the only gospel writer who tells us that Peter, James, and John fall asleep during the transfiguration in Luke 9, 28 through 36. But he says, thankfully, they wake up, and their eyes are open to see Jesus glorified in all his glory. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus prays that the Father might remove the cup of suffering, Luke records that Jesus, not just once, but twice instructs his disciples to stay awake and pray. And he says this in Luke chapter 22, verse 39 and verse 46. Because something's about to happen. And, and I would submit to you to this, Freedom Church, something is about to happen. You got to be blind to not see it. We are living in some exciting times. Imagine being so close to what God is about to do, but falling asleep. It's like when I was a little kid. I would wake up for, I would try to stay up all night long for Santa Claus. And I try to stay up, but like 10 o'clock, I'm out, and I always missed him coming. But something much greater than Santa Claus is on the way, and that's the return of Jesus Christ. And in Scripture, this is what we see. God's people often experience a spiritual drowsiness, lethargic attitudes, as great trials, opportunities, and fresh revelation is on the horizon. And not only have I seen it in Scripture, I've seen it personally. I've experienced the same spiritual drowsiness right before a breakthrough, right before God wants to do something in my life. I remember when I first started off in ministry, uh, and I, six weeks before that, as I was in Bible college, my senior year, I found it hard to pray. I found it blah. I found word. I, found, I would literally fall asleep. It was this spiritual drowsiness trying to come in. I felt this same drowsiness as Jennifer and I were getting ready to plant the church. I, I didn't know what it was, but I knew there was something going on in the spiritual realm that was trying to put me to sleep. And once again, at the beginning of 2020, I felt that same drowsiness, this heaviness come in in my prayer time. I try to pray. I try to worship. I try to read the word. And it's like this blah experience. And I'm not the only one. This is going on all across the nation. I've talked to dozens and dozens of pastors, friends, and colleagues of mine, dozens of spiritual leaders across the nation, and they're all saying it's hard to pray right now. It's hard to stay connected. And unless you're deeply rooted, a lot of people are truly falling away. This is what I would suggest to you. Something is happening in the spiritual realm. The enemy is mounting an attack because why? A move of God is on the horizon. 
A fresh revelation. A fresh move of God. And I'm prophesying to the Freedom Church, wake up! Don't stay asleep! His time is coming! George Michael Flynn said, 2% of the passionate will control 90% of the indifferent 100% of the time. I'll say that again. Michael George Flynn said, 2% of the passionate people will control 90% of the indifferent 100% of the time. Let me tell you, God has called his church to shape culture, but when the church is indifferent, culture shapes the church, and we're seeing that. I know we want change in the White House, but God says, you know, if I'm going to start change, I want to start change in your house. There's a reason we're losing ground right now. Because people are more passionate about their political views. They're more passionate about their sexual preferences. They're more passionate about their own ideologies. They're more passionate about their financial prosperity than they are the church, the house of God, his presence, and God's mission. And when God's church is not passionate about the things God, when we're lethargic, we should not be shocked that things like this are happening in our culture. And my prayer is God wake me up. I'm not looking at them. I'm not looking at you. I preached this message to me for a month. Lord, wake me up. Don't let me get lethargic. Don't let me get lazy. Lord, I repent for being asleep in prayer. I repent for being asleep in worship. I repent for not, have a pas- uh, for not having just passionate seeking of you. Like David said, Lord, return to me the joy of my salvation. God, give me a heart for your house. Just like the psalmist said, better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. God, give me a heart for the house of God again. Lord, may we build your house. May we build your church. God, return it to us. But it's a problem. when We can binge on Netflix, entertainment, video games. And we've gone days without praying, worshiping, reading his word, fasting, or witnessing. This is not a problem of time. It's a problem of discipline and desire. And this problem only has a spiritual answer. We need the spirit of the Lord to revive us. And I challenge you this morning to pray a prayer. Wake me up. Right there, can you pray it right there online or on site? Just raise your hands towards heaven and say, God, wake me up. Wake up my affections for you. Wake up my desire for you. Wake up, Lord God, the gifts that you put inside of me. Wake me up. Second thing I want to talk to you about, not only should we wake up, we need to watch out. The Bible is constantly reminding us to be watchful. Being watchful is a military term. It's the idea of watchmen looking out for impending danger attacks. Paul wrote this and. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. He says, pray diligently, stay alert with your eyes wide open. Now, if I would just say, Freedom Church, open your eyes. You will see things we've read about our entire lives that the Bible told us about that seemed far-fetched that now are plausible and blow your mind. Things like a cashless society. Not being able to buy or sell or move around without a mark. You know, just with everything going around us. A one world government controlling everyone. Unrest in the Middle East. The nation of Israel. Lawlessness. All these things that seem so far-fetched. And like in just a couple months, you're like, wow, am I experiencing these moments? And Paul said this in Romans 13, 11, The hour has come for you to 
wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Let me tell you, the return of Christ is sooner than we think. But this is what happens in 2 Thessalonians 2.3. This is what Paul wrote. For that day shall not come except that there be a, underline that, a falling away. In 2019, if somebody told you that churches all around would be shut down, you'd have said, that's crazy. But because churches are shut down, it's causing people to fall away from faith, to fall away from serving, to fall away from giving, to fall away from Christian community. And in your walk with God, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. And I wouldn't be surprised if this great falling away that Paul is talking about is much like the times that we're living in these days. That's why I'm telling you, be watchful. Watch for your life. This is, this is what Peter said, 1 Peter 5, 8. Stay awake. See all these warnings of the Bible writers to stay awake? Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion sneaking around trying to find someone to attack. And Jesus said in the parable of the sower, while the men slept, the enemy came in and stole the seed that was planted. See, your life is a seed. God has given your life as a seed to make a difference, to be planted, to say, God, use it with all my glory, to grow in to everything God has for you. But, and he wants us to reap a great reward, but we can't be reaping if we're sleeping. Another thing that is our seed is the next generation, children. We must fight, parents, like never before to be watchmen for our children. We are watchmen over our houses. The world is trying to influence our kids with false ideologies, perverted worldviews. We need to be watchful. Let me be real with you. Unless your kids pay their rent, there is no such thing as privacy. We need to constantly check their computers. We need to check their social media. We need to know all their passwords. Our kids should constantly see, hear this. What are you listening to? Where are you? What are you watching? Who are you hanging out with? Who are you talking to? We need to get all up in their business and be watchful. Because, man, there is a perverted worldview. Even this summer, there was a book that they wanted my daughter, youngest daughter to read that had all these agendas, all this perversity, all this sexual windows in it. And we said, no, she is not watching. We're going to read that. We've been talking back and forth. Even if she has to flunk that assignment, we are going to be watchful. And I'm telling you, a generation is about to be lost right now because we're not watchful and watching over them. Not only do we need to wake up, not only do we need to watch out for our souls and the souls of others, here's the third thing we need to do. We need to walk in God's calling and purpose again. Suicide, crime, divorce, depression are at an all-time high in our country. Can I be honest with you? We shouldn't be surprised that our culture is a mess. Churches are closed down. We're asleep. As believers, we're called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are to walk in faith and resurrection power, not to be consumed by worry and fear. Because you know when you're consumed by worry and fear, you know what that leads? That leads to a life of self-preservation and apathy. There's a battle going on right now in the heavenlies. And let me tell you, it's not Democrat or Republican. It's a spiritual battle. The devil is the influence behind the division, the hate, the lawlessness we're experiencing. He is the influence behind some of these political leaders trying to shut down the church. Why? Because the church is the hope of the world, and he'll try everything to shut it down. Let me just say, online is great, but you can't replace it where two or three are gathered in his name, calling on the name of Jesus, worshiping together. There's something about coming together in the house of God. 
And I'm going to tick everybody off right here, but it's okay. Understand this. Coronavirus is real. It's not a hoax, and it's not a flu. I had the flu, and I had COVID-19. Let me tell you, COVID-19 is brutal. It's rough. I wouldn't want, I, I've never been in the hospital in my life other than when I was born. Never missed a Sunday to preach ever. But for about three days there, I thought, man, I might need to go to the hospital. We should respect it. We should take it seriously. If you have underlying issues and a compromised immune system, you should take every precaution necessary. Man, according to people that I would trust, sometimes when we wear masks and we spit, that's how it travels. So use those things. But on the other hand, let me say this. We should not let the virus stop us from being the church. Nothing should stop us. The latest CDC report said that the death rate of COVID-19, and the CDC is probably the most liberal person's people for statistics, said it's 0.026%. 0.2% uh, uh, death rate. And that's a 99.74 survival rate. So I'm just saying this. If you get COVID-19 and you are a relatively healthy person, the chances for your survival are really, really, really good. The chances for you for a normal life are really, really good. And especially, and let me just say this, especially if you get medication early on. One of the things is I was able to get medication. They didn't give it to Jennifer early on, but they gave it to me. And what was interesting is our own doctor, Jason Lavender, who was a research professor, he came up to me and said, oh, man, look, I got my own little lab rat. My pastor has COVID. So, bro, he didn't even wait till like, the moment that I was ready to be just poked with blood. When can I be at your house? And he's over there just poking me, getting everything ready and studying my antibodies. I'm just kidding. I love Jason. He's been a help through all this. But, but he really did. He came to my house and maybe not as aggressively, maybe not the day, but maybe two days afterwards. Okay? And he found out this, that the antibodies that I had were... The same. They were high. They were the same as the hospital patients that he is studying in the Rice University in Houston. So he says, I got immunity for about a year of that virus. That I'm the safest person to be around, kind of. I can't give it to you, and you can't give it to me for a year. So I'm good. But, 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 I dodged a bullet. One of the things that was good was that they gave me the medicine early on. There's medicine. There's things out there that help you and that help my immune system to fight it. So if you do get it, as your pastor, I'm not getting political. This is something I personally experienced because Jennifer didn't get it. Her, uh, Jennifer didn't get that medication early on. And what happened with her journey, her symptoms were much less. Her antibodies were much less than mine. But she had a little bit more lingering effects. But the moment we were able to get her the medicine, she felt better within days. So just saying those different things and those things that are helping out. Just try to help you. Just I want to disarm the fear that's going around here. But let me call you back in. The reality is this. The enemy wants to put us to sleep with fear and worry as he attacks and he launches his attacks. As he comes against the church. As he wants to take down our nation. But it's time to stand firm. It's time to walk in the call of God. It's time to say, not on our watch. Darkness only comes when the light stops shining. And we're going to shine. So I want to challenge you. To once again walk in prayer. Might be hard, but I want, you to, I want you to walk in prayer with me for the next 10 days. At 10 a.m., even if you're at your office, we'll take a potty break at 10 a.m. And I want you to pray three things. I want you to pray against the devil's attacks to destroy the church. I want you to pray for opportunities to take the gospel in our city 
and in our world. And I want you to pray that God gives our leaders in the church and political leaders wisdom. Remember Dow. Let's get the Dow up. For those of you financial advisors like Paul, let's get the Dow up. By praying against the devil, by praying for opportunities and praying for wisdom. And here's another thing I want to do. If we're going to wake up, I want to call you to fasting. I know this is hard. All I'm going to say, do is wake up. The Lord told me we'll begin in prayer and fasting. We'll end in prayer and fasting. So will you, and I commit to this, till this pandemic and all this junk is over, will you fast with me one day a week till 5 o'clock? Let's walk in prayer. Let's walk in fasting. Let's wake up. Here's another thing I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to walk in your God-given purpose. I want to challenge you to use your gifts. I want to challenge you to serve others again. But here's what I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to start with your family. I'm burdened what's going on with this next generation. The enemy is trying to steal our kids. Here's what I want to challenge you. Pour into your kids. Your kids need you. We have kids service every week. It's on Facebook. There's a link on, the pay, on, our, on our website. Watch it with them. Be their kids, pastor. We have the lessons on the website. Love your kids. Teach your kids. In the Old Testament, it was the parents that led the kids. But let's be honest. We can't lead our families if we don't lead ourselves. That's why this Sunday, we're making available right now media to everyone who calls Freedom Church home. It's yours. What do you want to learn and what do you want to grow in? Man, it's, you'll get an email. If you're not on an email, sign up on our email sheet. Man, get right there and we'll get you connected for that email connection. Because we need God. We need to grow. But here's the thing. We need each other. We need to learn together in community. We have a women's Bible study going on right now that you need to get connected. And for in a, in a couple weeks, this is what I'm going to do. Because we need to get together as men. The men of God need to rise up. I'm going to teach a men's Bible study for, the net, for five weeks. Coming in probably at the end of August, beginning of September. And I'm going to talk about being a man after God's own heart. We're going to look at the kings of David. And we're going to look at what that means. And we're going to get connected. And we're going to be the men of God again. We're calling you to wake up. We're also launching our Freedom Life groups. And I'm going to challenge you. To get involved in a life group. This is my challenge to you. Some of you are already meeting together with people. You're already connecting with people. That's men. So find that one or two people that you're already comfortable meeting with and turn that into a spiritual time. Turn that into a life group. Instead of talking politics, instead of talking a bunch of crazy things, start talking about Jesus and watch him. Guys, let's wake up. Our kids need us. Our cities needs us. Man, Round Rock needs us. Pflugerville needs us. Huddle needs us. Central Texas needs us. See, as much as I would like to see change in Portland and Minneapolis and all around the nation, that's not my assignment. My assignment is Central Texas. And I will tell you, as long as I am here, I'm going to push you to be the line in Central Texas. It only gets dark when we stop shining. I've had the city and the county call me for many outreach opportunities to help hurting people. But a lot of people don't want to help. Honestly, it's been tough to find volunteers. Sometimes it's just the staff that goes out there. Let's wake up! So here's my challenge. Let's wake up, let's watch out, and let's walk in everything God has for us. And as we go back to this story, I want you to see verse 12. 
people took the young man alive and they were greatly comforted. Eutychus wasn't condemned or shunned because of his sleepy attitude. He was restored and made alive and alert. And that's what God wants to do with us. He's not mad at us. He's not saying, oh, continue to be asleep. He's not wanting us to be dead on the ground. He's saying if we would come to him, if we would encounter his word, that he would make us alive again. We need to be made alive. Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church Podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon.